You're You're listening listening to to The Bottom Bottom Bible. Bible. I'm Katie. I'm Vanessa. This is a weekly podcast brought to you by a couple of bottom-loving bitches who want to talk about sex, relationships, current events, pop culture, and everything in between. Thanks for listening. To tell me what you want from me. I, I really need it. Hey everybody, it's Katie here. Don't adjust your dials. You are listening to The Bottom Bible, but it's just going to be me giving you a very quick introduction to an interview that we did this week with an amazing person named Liz. We talked about asexuality um, and everything that falls under that beautiful umbrella. So just sit back, relax. We really think you're going to enjoy this one. She was an absolute dream to talk to. So we're excited. We have an amazing interview for you guys today we are interviewing liz do you like to go by liz liz or lizzie either way is fine okay Mm -hmm. awesome and we're going to be talking about asexuality as a whole like the large beautiful umbrella that (laughs) it is um so vanessa did you have Oh, she just, I just looked panicked. At me. <laughs> like, I didn't want, I feel like I'm like, I've been talking all No, long. no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I got into a car accident last oh, week. Oh, no. Totaled my, I'm fine. But my okay. car got totaled. So I'm like, oh. rental, got to get yeah. the insurance money, this, that. I had like, have just been nonstop. Yeah. With like, dumb stuff all week. As you've heard oh, us God. talk about Torcons, she's been yeah. living in just a realm of Torcons. Torcon oh, yes. boo. Yeah. Oh, that's such a pain. I'm sorry. It'll get, it'll get figured out, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I got it. You're I handling like it. Monday, Tuesday, I'll have a car. I can turn in that rental. No more soccer mom car for me. Cool. Okay. So I guess I'll... You, sorry. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> if, you, like, if you could have seen, I wish you could see that like deer and headlights look that you gave me, which is like, huh, oh, God. That's my signature. Um, so, okay. So from my understanding um, of asexuality mm-hmm. is... The I, I got this off of um, GLAD with mm-hmm. the two A's and it, they just to sum it up was um, and this is after researching it more I realize this is a very brief and not exactly accurate like definition of sexuality <laughs> but it's does not experience sexual attraction was their sort of like this is our short answer now let's yeah. go into a long answer okay yeah because yeah. that's a very like a very black and white like yes you are or you're not. Um, right. Yeah. So do you identify as asexual? Not entirely. I actually identify as demisexual slash kind of gray ace. Okay. Um, so I'm a little more, I guess, like if you're thinking about it in terms of a spectrum, I'm a little a little more like to the left of, okay. of asexual. Um, so yeah, not entirely ace. I experience sexual attraction just mm-hmm. rarely. Um, and usually I need a like an emotional connection with somebody first. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what I will do then to kind of like bounce off of that is um, I'm going to read through uh, the different like asexuality and then the different subcategories that go mm-hmm. along um, with that like larger umbrella. So okay. as we covered asexuality and again, these are broad strokes like definitions i'm putting in air quotes right now because of course everything's a spectrum nothing is really black and white and so (laughs) take that as as (laughs) listeners take that as you will um so asexual which is um does not experience sexual attraction we know that you can it fluctuates um there's aromantic which is not experiencing romantic attraction there's gray asexual gray romantic which i know you mentioned that that you're kind of more you maybe you would identify a little bit into that category yeah okay um how would you define that then so usually somebody who is gray asexual is somebody who experiences limited sexual Mm. attraction um and there are a bunch of different ways that that happens so some folks experience sexual attraction just kind of very rarely and sporadically right Uh, some folks need specific criteria to be met like really particular criteria about a partner or the time in their life or, you know, what they ate for breakfast that day or whatever it is um, in order to experience that attraction. Um, And then some people are just kind of like, yeah, I was attracted to this one person one time. Uh, um, Okay. And I'm not really here for it anymore. Um, And so still kind of identify as gray because they've had 
um, like an experience in which they experienced a sexual drive. So got it, got it. That that is yeah, that is much better than the definition that I pulled off of the interweb. <laughs> so I'm glad that we have you here. Um, so then um, there's of course you mentioned already, but demisexual and demi romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess since you also mentioned that, if you want to give like a quick definition of what that. Yeah. So. Um, I think GLAD and uh, the resource that I usually give to folks is asexuality.org, which mm-hmm. I looked over again today and I was just like, oh, asexuality.org, you're not you're not doing doing the most <laughs> like you used to be. Yeah. Um, but for demisexual folks, usually what that means is that a person needs an emotional bond or mm. connection with somebody else before they can experience sexual attraction. And yeah. like everybody's experiences, um, that can look different for different people. So sure. for me, I usually need to be friends with somebody first. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But then again, there are some folks who are demi who will have a deep emotional connection to a new person. Oh. Um, you know how sometimes you just meet somebody and like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, we were, you know. We must have been twins separated at birth or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's just um, like almost like a weird twin language that's happening. Yeah, like, wait yeah. a minute. You're a stranger. What's happening? How how do we, yeah, how do we know everything about, yeah. everything about <laughs> each other? Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of depends. And lots of folks who identify as Demi will have different ideas about how long they need to have known somebody or how close they need to be with that mm. person before they actually experience that attraction. Yeah. Um, with me, it's usually a long-term friendship. But that's not a hard and fast rule. Okay. Um, And so, uh, for instance, with my current partner, Kevin, who y'all heard in here, um, (laughs) setting up a mic and stuff like that, uh, we were friends for a long time, but like... Oh, and now my dogs are barking. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. You're There's, probably going to hear my yeah. little baby Bob is going to oh. probably cry at some point. So Yeah. That's no, a there's cameo. Definitely a murderer <laughs> outside and they're saving me right now. So Exactly. Um, Bark away, babies. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do your job. Um, but for for me and Kevin, we had known each other for a while. We we like hung out at the same bar, but we had kind of been acquaintances. Um, okay. and it wasn't until uh he got di- we we both have been married before and uh he got divorced and then I got divorced and uh we both had this weird situation that nobody else really understood where we were divorced from our exes but still really good friends with our exes. Oh okay. Um and so nobody knew how to approach that situation <laughs> and we kind of like bonded over that and so yeah. he was like this random person that I had seen a couple of times in bars and had a couple of drunken conversations with but didn't know very well. He was just kind of an acquaintance. And then like we both had this very similar life experience and bonded over that very quickly. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. And then with other people um, that I've experienced attraction for in the past, and it's really rare for me to experience attraction. So it's like I can count on, on one hand the number of times mm. that I've um, had these types of, um, of relationships or experiences with people. But usually we were friends for a very long time okay. um, and had a really like a really close friendship before those feelings started to emerge. So, okay. Yeah. That's how um, the the first time I'd ever heard the term demisexual was through that U- a YouTuber mm-hmm. um, named Evan, and I think it's Edinger or Edinger, okay. um, who has he's a, he's just a YouTuber. He talks about he lives abroad. He's an expat. He's living in London now, and his videos um, actually were rarely very personal. Um, mm-hmm. Most of his videos were and still are about like the differences between you know um, England. Uh, proms or whatever what have you and then American that's why I don't know why prom was the first thing that I thought of um (laughs) he did a video that went pretty viral um Mm -hmm. I guess if I hate that term too what is wrong with me what am I doing um but he did a video about um he discovered that he was demisexual and he oh. had um had you know of course he'd been experiencing these things forever but he never had a name to attach to it and that is a he has a similar experience of where he needs to um really form a bond and form a friendship and he was running into issues where he he mentioned in the video um where he's talking about and opening up about it that he had a friend that he he'd really gotten to know her and he also he said you know um and we'll get to this later about how you can be demisexual and heterosexual hetero romantic or hetero you know it's a yeah. whole different you can everything like basically like no holds bar like right. yeah do, do your thing live your best life um but 
he mentioned that he was really he had developed a, an attraction to this friend of his but then she said oh evan why would we want to ruin our great friendship and to, oh, no. to him it was like that is literally the worst thing that he could possibly hear yeah. because that's what he needs in order to take it to um another level so that's really interesting yeah. that's like a similar experience that he um he went through or goes mm-hmm. through as well um so to touch on just a few more under the umbrella there's um and please if i'm mispronouncing these please correct me <laughs> okay. um um reciprosexual Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Okay, reciprocal yeah. and uh, reciprocal and and is that um, basically is not feeling that attraction until it's reciprocated from someone else? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, um, and then this one I'm definitely going to need your assistance on. It's um, it's the the opposite of reciprocal. It's it's the one that is where when it is reciprocated. That then it's 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 no longer the attraction, yeah. the attractions off is that and I have the a k o i yeah I've actually never it, it's one of those words that I like I've seen it written down but I've never heard yeah. it said out loud yes because um, yeah. I've always heard people <laughs> say lithsexual or lithromantic okay so, let's use that one um yeah language yeah. is hard and it changes <laughs> all the time and and yeah um so if I try and pronounce it I'm probably gonna get okay. It <laughs> So then, um, so that's lith, mm-hmm. lith sexual. Lith, okay, mm-hmm. and so that would be the opposite of right. um, the reciprocal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's ace flux and arrow flux, which fluctuate in and out of um, right. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So those are the like the all which I was like I was literally in like heaven today, like looking at all these things <laughs> and being like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that existed. That's amazing. Because from like uh, for me personally, I from like a mental health like finding out and getting like I know some people can say like oh I don't like labels I don't like putting a label on something Mm -hmm. but it really if you are experiencing something and it's making you at all feel separate or different or like there's something wrong with you as soon Mm -hmm. as someone gives you you find a label and you're like whoa other people I am there's nothing wrong with me this is just different than the quote-unquote societal norm or expectation Mm -hmm. it's such a such an empowering feeling and so I can imagine if you've been living you know uh like reciprocal for your whole life but never having a name to put yeah like finding that has got to be such a Mm -hmm. comfort Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 And, I, and I think that it is for a lot of um, the asexual community because our identities are very invisible, mm. um, both in the sense that no one would necessarily know. You know, there's a lot mm. of um, in the LGBTQ community, we talk about passing privilege a lot. This idea uh. that if you have an identity that no one can see um, based on your partners and based on kind of the way that you live your day to day life, you have passing privilege, mm. uh, which basically means that you get to walk through the world and people will assume that you're straight and you don't have to deal with, you know, people being homophobic and, and terrible to you right. um, just based on the way you look or who you love or who your partner is. Um, but within the ace community that's kind of a double-edged sword because mm. not only do other people not know that we're there but we don't know that that other people who have the same experiences are there right. um and so for most ace individuals um most of us actually kind of grow up believing that we're broken believing that there's something mm. wrong with us because you don't you don't see representations of other people like you and and you know i personally didn't hear the term asexual um, defined in such a way that I was like, oh, oh my God, that's me until my mid twenties. And so until like 25 years old, I was just like, there's just something wrong with me. Like, yeah, I am, I am broken. There's something wrong with me. I need to get this fixed or, you know, but at the same time I was like, this is just kind of who I am and I don't want to. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of, a lot of that that goes on and having that terminology being able to say like not only is there a term to describe my experience but I have a community now I have mm-hmm. a group of people who have similar experiences that I can talk to is so powerful and so um so wonderful and comforting yeah. and it gives people a you know a, a way of kind of being able to even stand their ground with people who would be um oh what's the word I'm looking for um who who would treat them badly or who who would like be discriminatory. discriminatory. There's the word. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> uh, we all found it at the same yeah. <laughs> time. Uh, but for people who would be discriminatory to be able to say like, no, you're wrong. 
I know what this is and I know who I am um, and I'm not broken and it's your ignorance and not my problem. So yeah, it's, it's really nice to have, to have those labels and, and that, that, that sense of community and, and communal experience. So what was, when did you first hear the term? Like what was the, where, where were you able to find um, demisexual or even asexual? Um, It's actually funny. It was in, uh, so this isn't my job anymore. I recently switched jobs, but I used to run an LGBTQ resource center at the university that I work at. Um, And I was, I wasn't working in that office yet. It was this like Two months before I started that job, I went to one of their ally training sessions because I was teaching in the university and I was like, I want to be able to tell my students I'm an ally and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things. So I go to this training expecting to learn about people with very different experiences for me. Um, And they have a a whole section of the training devoted to ace identities. And I'm sitting there through it going, oh, oh, no. Oh, (laughs) this got personal. Um, (laughs) Why? 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 Uh, Why is this about me now? Um, So, yeah, I was kind of sitting there and I had like this moment in the training where I was just like, oh, God, okay. Um, This is this has been my lived experience. And, and, you know, it's it's relieving. But at the same time, it's really jarring to be in like a professional development and have like a moment. Yeah, I can Um, can only imagine like you're like, okay, I'm going to learn about this stuff. And you're like, wait a minute. Okay. okay, I get it. Because there's time to process. There's time yeah. to understand. I mean, mm-hmm. even um, I mean, I I was talking with my brother today, and I don't know. He didn't even know we were going to do this interview. He didn't know anything. And mm-hmm. he and I, because he recently had a breakup, and he's been dealing with a lot of this con- the concepts of sexuality mm-hmm. in the gay community, and yeah. um, especially like. It's just sort of this almost like he he was talking to me about like kind of the hypersexuality and the expectations. Mm-hmm. And he was saying he was like, yeah, you know, like sometimes like I just like just come over and play video games and let's cuddle or something like I just yeah, I, I want that space. And so he and I were talking about this and um, that idea that there's always like, yeah, you can get the term and like, yeah, you can get the 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 gist of it. But then having mm-hmm. to do that self exploration then at the end and be like, where yeah. do I fall on the spectrum of this? Mm-hmm. Am I because I mean, like my brother and I have said to like, really, truly, we don't really believe anybody is like 100 percent. It's such a fluctuating right. scale of all yeah, these different absolutely. things. Yeah, that can play a part. So, well, I'm glad that it happened in such a supportive space yeah. for you though that's so great yeah it was really nice and then you know I uh, started a graduate program and needed a graduate assistantship and they had one and so I was like great I'll apply for this and oh that's awesome um sure enough I ended up being the safe zone person for like four and a half years after that so oh that's awesome yeah um so that kind of um goes into like when so having discovered that um, how, how was that sort of like, so that was in your, in your twenties, did you say? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and how old are you now? I am 32. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're basically around like our age. I, mean, I just turned mm-hmm. 35. Oh, yeah. you're a baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like navigating through, um, you know, like your relationships and, and things like that after kind of that sort of moment of like self-discovery um, mm-hmm. as, you know, that mixture of like, oh, it's, you know, it can be a little bit of like, oh, it's a relief. But then it's also like, oh, whoa, what do I do with this information and how yeah. do I to move forward? Like um, in terms of like new relationships, um, did you find that people were supportive or... Um. Yes and no. Okay. Um, so most of my friends were very supportive and I was already like like bisexual and stuff like that. And so okay. and and most of my friends were already queer and and or you know, queer or queer adjacent, like super mm-hmm. allies. Um, so when I started having those conversations with the people in my life who were closest to me, everybody was just kind of like, Yeah, that kind of makes sense for you. I yeah. get it. Um, and it was fine. Uh there were so I was married at the time, and that was okay. definitely um, a, an an issue for us, at least initially, because okay. we were we were struggling with that aspect of our relationship. And I think that as long as I didn't have this like identity that was like, no, this is just who I am. We both kind of had this idea that like, oh, this will get better. You know, we'll oh, I see, we'll work this out. And so when I came to the place where I was like, nope. 
nope, this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was definitely you know some uh, some things that we struggled with as a couple because he was like, oh well, all right. Yeah, um, I guess this isn't this isn't just like a, a rough patch in our relationship. This is this is the way that it is. Um, and so, uh, you know, we ended up ended up ending our marriage for a bunch of reasons. And, mm-hmm. and really, sex wasn't wasn't really one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, for a little while within within kind of my uh, my marriage at the time, that was that was a challenging kind of rough patch for us to get through. Okay. Um, and then for the most part, people who aren't accepting are not like they're they're not overtly aggressive about it it's more it's much more common for me to run up against people who don't think that asexuality is a thing or don't understand it yeah yeah and so it's it's very rare that I'll have somebody who is like you know that's a your lifestyle is an abomination yeah. and you're a horrible person <laughs> because you don't want to have sex with people. Uh, it's more like people are like, mm, that sounds like a, like that sounds like a disorder. That sounds like a hormone yeah. issue. That sounds like mm. or yeah. or I'll get people who are um, who, who like their lived experience is so outside of that that they can't even imagine what it would be like. Right. Yeah. To, to be somebody who's not attracted to people. And you know, the number of times I've had a conversation with somebody when I'm like, well, have you ever seen a person and not wanted to have sex with them? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's just me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a friend who he makes a lot of he makes a lot of uh, Facebook posts. He's a, one of those mm-hmm. people that's just like a very <clears throat> active on Facebook. Um, yeah. And he is a he is homoromantic, but asexual. Okay. And mm-hmm. people were having a very he was kind of venting about how people have a very hard time understanding that. Um, and is that the um, I think the uh, the acronym was like SAM um, mm-hmm. aspect of asexuality where there's a separation between um you know the romantic and the sexual yeah yeah side okay absolutely and in that that separation actually exists for everybody sure. so for yeah. for all of us uh sexual attraction and romantic attraction are different aspects of our human yeah. of our lived experience um and so like we can see that uh the example i used to give in in like educational outreach trainings is that if you've ever watched a teenage rom-com Mm-hmm. the the conflict of the rom like the rom-com is is about like the lead woman's conflict between her sexual attraction and her romantic attraction because there's always right. like the big sexy football player that she really wants to get with but she ends up falling for the like sweet chess player nerd guy yeah. who helps her <laughs> with her french homework um and it's like no that's because you're romantically attracted to this guy but this guy is sexier yeah. um and so like that's that's a thing for all of us and definitely within the ace community that's um like the differentiation can can seem a lot a lot more distinct Mm -hmm. and that's just because for so many people within the ace community you experience some of one and none of the other yeah yeah so as far as i know that even because even like my brother and i'm not even trying Mm -hmm. to attempt to call him out but i think when i was explaining uh, once we were having a conversation about um the idea of you know having the the two separate forms of attraction Mm -hmm. and uh, he was like, "Well, wait, hold on. How's that possible?" And I was like, <laughs> "Like, well, I was like, well, this is I was like, this is what like how I was interpreting it and how I've talked to like my friend about it." Da, 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 da. And like, do you find in like the LGBT community that um has it been a struggle even in, like cuz I know some people think like, "Oh, well, you know, like it, this is my community." Mm-hmm. Um, but have you found that even in um like the LGBT community that there's been like a struggle just is for like more for like visibility. Yeah, certainly. And okay. and there are a lot of people within the LGBTQ community who don't believe that asexual identities should have a place within mm-hmm. the within like the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, this was actually a thing I ran up against my first year working in the LGBTQ Resource Center. 
I like I'm pretty sure everybody there knew I was bi, but nobody knew I was ace. And we were talking about the training with like our training curriculum with our advisory board. And one of the members of the advisory board had kind of we were it's a it was a long training and we were trying to find ways to shorten it up because people okay. were like people were dropping by like flies by the end. Uh, so we're like, OK, three hours is too much time. <laughs> um, it's just too long. We've got to find something to cut. And and one of the people in the advisory board was like, I think we should get rid of this section about asexuality because mm. I really don't think that this constitutes an LGBTQ identity. This isn't about who you're attracted to or how you experience gender. It's about how often you experience sexual attraction, which is something that's totally different. Mm. Um, and I was sitting in there and I had just like just really started to be out and vocal about my asexuality and my supervisor was sitting there and like I look over at him and he can see like my eyes like bulging out of my head. And I'm like, this person is a tenured professor and I'm a grad uh. student and I cannot like... I can't lose my shit on them, but right. I kind of want to. And he just kind of looks at me and like I could see by the look in his eyes. He's like, no, girl, I got this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, That's awesome. Yeah, he took care of it for me. Um, but there are a lot of people within the queer community who don't believe that asexuality is mm. is something that should be a part of that larger kind of umbrella. Yeah. And, um, and it's really similar to um, – you know, there are also a lot of people within the LGBTQ community who don't think that trans folks should be a part of the mm. a part of the community, um, even though like trans women of color started like the Stonewall riots. Right. But, yeah. yeah. Well, despite yeah. that, yeah. somehow. Yeah. We'll just ignore um, that very yeah. important fact <laughs> for a hot moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, that's 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 definitely a thing. And I, I feel like you asked me a completely different question and I got off topic. Entirely. No, that's no, that's okay. exactly the question that I was okay, going to ask. Cool. Just because like I know that anytime and I kind of feel like I like the whole idea of that some people have an aversion to a label um, mm -hmm. or uh, anytime you label anything, there's often someone that's on the other side going, well, no, this is why that's not this. And this is why like you just need to do this and this will mm -hmm. be fine or this doesn't belong in this or this doesn't belong in that. Um, and even, you know, I know so my my brother lives in um, Columbus and um, they're have been uh there's a bar there called union and mm -hmm. i know he has voiced um you know that there's the idea that you know there's there's tons of white gay privilege in in columbus yep. ohio there's yeah. tons of like um trans discrimination that happens mm -hmm. at at like what are predominantly more bars where more gay men will frequent um yeah. and even you know um lesbians in that community not feeling that that's like a safe space where they feel invited in uh -huh. and so i yeah i and i've also seen other um people talk about how asexuality is just quite often overlooked and also mm -hmm. the same point that you made where it's and i just wanted to kind of get your um kind of your feedback on that because you have so much like like education and knowledge and personal experience. And I was like, oh, I want to talk to her ah. about this. Um, ah. <laughs> uh, um, oh, uh, huh? Sorry, no, I was looking uh, over Vanessa and I was like, I thought she was leaning into the mic and then she's like, no, no, no. I, like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't um, know very much about asexual, just oh, the, yeah. the bare bones. So that's why this, I'm leaning forward, like listening and like nodding yeah. at everything. <laughs> it's It's so much more than yeah. I thought. And that's also going to the point that you guys were just making. Yeah. That mm -hmm. it is often overlooked, not included, or just touched on very, very briefly, like yeah. a, a small mm -hmm. heading somewhere and then just kind of, you know, yeah, pushed to the side because it's assumed that either it's not going to be as as large of a topic, as, as not as many people falling into the topic, into that mm -hmm. into those categories. Yeah. Or that, like you were saying, Lizzie, um, people within this, the community not seeing it as a part of the LGBTQ mm -hmm. community that have yeah. an issue with, you know, kind of where it falls and is it a, is it appropriate to put it in the LGBTQ community? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there are... Um, remarkably few resources out there that will mm. explicitly be inclusive to ace individuals. Wow. Um, 
you know, sometimes they're kind of implicitly inclusive, which is this idea that like, oh, if you, you know, you can come be a part of our things if you want to. We won't, we won't name you, but if you're here, you know, you're welcome. Um, versus saying like, no, we are here for this group, just like we're mm-hmm. here for everybody else. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's a lot of that, um, a lot of that out there. And then I I also think that. You know, a lot of this really just kind of comes down to the fact that people don't talk about ace identities very often. There's this mm-hmm. weird, you know, it, it's it's really weird. Within within Western culture, we have this idea that we're all sexually repressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but but within that is this idea that we're also supposed to be thinking about sex all the time. Yeah. And if you're not, then there's something wrong with you. Right. Um, yeah. And so everybody is kind of walking around presumably thinking about sex constantly and then thinking about how they shouldn't <laughs> you, you shouldn't talk about this. And and so somehow that has like this weird uh weird effect for ace folks where it's mm-hmm. like we're thinking about the sex that we don't care to be thinking about mm-hmm. constantly. Um mm-hmm. and we're afraid to talk to anybody about the fact that we actually don't want to think about sex all the time. Um because nobody talks about sex whether you're having it or not having it or you want to have it or you don't want to have it. Um, and so we have this kind of cultural system that's set up where because we don't talk about sex, we also don't talk about not having sex. Right. And so for people who are within like the 90% of the population who are um, allosexual, so somebody who is allosexual, somebody who experiences sexual attraction like most people do, mm-hmm. um, they just kind of assume that their experience is like everyone else's because right. nobody's talking about it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I wonder how much of – how much of that lack of inclusion comes from overt discrimination and how much of that comes from the fact that we kind of live in a culture where we we talk about this so little mm-hmm. that everyone kind of assumes that we're all in the same place because nobody's communicating. And so when yeah. somebody says, actually, I have a different experience, they're like, um, there must be something wrong with you because I'm pretty sure we're all thinking about this all the time and we're all, you know, just um, experiencing the same sexual repression. And if we're not, then I don't know. Like, what else are people thinking about? (laughs) No, I absolutely like I I think about often what it is. What is it about human nature or societies Mm -hmm. when humans get together in groups where literally the worst thing is to be different? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even though we're all different. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're we're all so freaking weird. Yeah. Right. We're all just a big bunch of just beautiful weirdos trying to roam around and everyone is I feel like at their core everyone is just trying to succeed somehow Mm -hmm. in some form Mm -hmm. of life and exist and some people just have better you know tools or resources Mm -hmm. or you know have had nicer people around them um but I it makes me think about like yeah I, I don't know what it is about the idea and especially some people that are like like you're saying like overtly um just really just discriminatory or vocal mm-hmm. or just completely denying um as opposed to someone that is maybe just more um it's covert and it's just sort of a feeling of like wait a minute how can you live yeah. differently than me how can you not want to do this thing yeah um that it just seems like so natural but mm-hmm. really and truly everybody is on a different scale and level of all the things all the time Um, So I agree. Society plays a huge part, I think, in people just being uncomfortable. Like, I feel like that's often more like they're uncomfortable. And then it leads to like, oh, well, I think I should have an opinion on this. Well, I'm going to take this opinion and be really aggressive when it just stems from really like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like a panic, like a fight or flight reflex. And I think a lot of people just choose the like aggression over Um, trying to just sit in the feelings as my brother's therapist always says, <laughs> sit in your feelings and yeah. process this a little bit. And like, it's okay. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's totally fine. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, you know, like you were saying, this idea of, of the importance of taking, being able to take a moment, just kind of sit with the discomfort and sit with your feelings um, and the flight or fight, flight response. My first thought was like, like all of those people who freeze when they get scared, oh, yeah. like, we're going to take over the world. because we have to sit there with our feelings for a minute um so yeah i'm i'm a freezer and i'd never thought of that as a strength before and now i'm like oh yeah fuck yeah i'm also a freezer yeah freezer freezer. oh good oh yeah oh yeah i'm like i don't know what to do remember one time uh, this is wildly off topic but i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) 
my mom like my mom is the opposite where she is just like go 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 she's great in a crisis but mm-hmm. all the time everything's a crisis for her so it's like not yeah. balanced out very well um mm-hmm. everything is zero to torcons but she um she was taking a bunch of vitamins and i don't know why she shoved all these <laughs> vitamins down literally at the same time as a, a handful of vitamins and oh, no. i remember i was just directly across from her and my brain was processing like oh my god she's choking but my body was just like stuck and so yeah. my mom she was like she finally she's like she got it she was cleared but then she just started yeah. laughing she was like i just looked at you and i was just like oh god i guess i'm in this myself because she's not moving <laughs> she's not gonna help <laughs> oh god <laughs> Little does she know that we're on a path to take over the world. So yeah, pinky in the brain style. Absolutely. And hopefully it's more successful. <laughs> yeah. Real. Real. Like, okay. So um, I feel like we've covered so much and it's so great. And you are so great. Um, oh, thank you. Vanessa is typing something. I wonder if Ooh. she... Oh, okay. She, yeah, this is something I mentioned earlier and she gave me a fresh reminder. Cool. Um, so something that... And I'm basing a majority of my demisexual knowledge off of um again that youtuber evan because he's done mm-hmm. like about three videos on it um mm-hmm. and gone pretty in depth but something that he talked about was when he was going through like puberty when he was in the formative stages of our lives um mm-hmm. he mentioned that he kind of told a story of one of his friends came up and was like, oh, oh Evan, like, you know, this girl, blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> oh, I got a big crush on her. Who do you crush? Who are you crushing on? And he was just like, oh, yeah. It's uh, the most terrifying, like, adolescent conversation that- <laughs> in the world. Yes. Because he was like, uh, nobody. And the guy was like, oh, come on. I just told you who I was. Like, You're going to tell me. Yep. And he's like, no, I'm literally, like, not crushing on anybody. Can we go back to, like, math class right now? Yeah. And he going through those stages and then he said he hit puberty kind of a little bit later he was maybe Mm -hmm. in like 10th grade when he was Mm -hmm. when he first realized like oh oh okay so yeah i'm into ladies that i got got my first like oh okay like that but yeah Yeah. how were those like formative years for you i i can imagine it was probably was it similar or yeah yeah it absolutely was um i think there was a lot of so i can like I don't know. My my mom did me a big favor in terms of um, helping me learn how to like pass as having sexual attraction. Like she didn't do it on purpose. Um, <laughs> she just like uh, she really loved to watch like romantic comedies and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And she had like little celebrity crushes on all of okay. these people. And so um, one of the things that we had like the bonding things that we did when I got to be about like 10 or 11 was we would sit down and watch Harrison Ford movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, And I was like still at that age where I thought my mom was really cool. So whatever she wanted to do, I was like, yes, I'm here for it. This yeah. is what cool people do. <laughs> um, and so we'd sit down and we'd watch like um, – and we'd watch these like romantic comedies with with all of these like people that my mom thought were heartthrobs. Um, and she would just kind of fawn over them. And I was like, okay, this is what you do when you're attracted to somebody. This is the way that you act. Um, and so as I – like as my friends started to reach puberty and I saw that in them too, I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I can just like mm. – act this way who's who's the cool like the cool like guy from NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys to be into right now like I'll just you know I'll pick the coolest one and and just act like I'm into him um and so I kind of did that but I um I remember the first time that I was around my friends and I realized that I was that I was like play acting and that I was actually very different from them um because I for a long time I was just like oh they're they're not really into them either. They're just trying to act like they are because they think that's what like cool teenagers are supposed to do is like have crushes and stuff like that. And I was like, no, we're all in the same boat here. Um, but I had a moment, I think um, in seventh or eighth grade, me and all of my like girlfriends carpooled home at the end of oh. the day. So our parents would like, you know, you pick them up on Monday and I'll pick them up on Tuesday and this and that. And we're waiting during football season for our ride to come and we're all sitting on the bleachers and the like the boys are having practice and I'm sitting there like reading my Harry Potter and um, all of my friends are like in just like complete silence just watching practice happen Um, and I had this moment when I like look up and I look around them and I realize like they're not reading Harry Potter like I am Um, they're watching this football practice and I'm like one our team sucks and two nobody here actually likes football so what is this about? And I and I look out onto the field and I have this realization of like, oh, because the boys are practicing in those like tight little football pants. 
I'm like, they're just they're just watching like 13 year old boys butts. <laughs> like that's that's what this is. And I had this moment of like, oh, OK, um, I don't. I don't I don't have the feels for the for the football players butts like my friends do. Yeah. Um and at that point I was just like all right and I went back to reading my Harry Potter. I was like <laughs> um also just generally a very awkward and unattractive child and so <laughs> I was like this doesn't matter. I nobody's going to want to my core. <laughs> right? Like nobody's going to want to get with this anyway. I can just read Harry Potter and nobody will think it's weird that I'm not dating anybody. I have a uh, band photo to to post it at some point. Very nice. short bangs and just hits a Luke. Um, oh god, yeah. No, I was like- rocking like really unfortunate orange highlights and braces. The oh. the highlights were supposed to be caramel. Okay. Um, but they they were orange. Were they chunky? Um, I can't yeah, remember like that time. They, yeah, yeah. It was it was in that time. Yeah. Um, and I was also just kind of like a chubby, greasy kid. Um, and so there's this really terrible eighth grade picture of me uh, that I like for a while. I like all through like the the years when I was less comfortable with myself. I was like, Mom, burn that picture, get rid of it. <sighs> and now I'm just like, No, I will hold this picture up. <laughs> And show it to everyone uh, because and like now I'm really glad she didn't burn it, even though she's like, oh, you were so cute and like an awkward teenager. And I'm like, no, this is fucking hilarious. Keep the picture around. Um, it's so great to get to that place where you're like, yeah, Ooh, yeah, I was, yeah. I, woo, Woo. I was, that was every, rough. Everyone, yeah, that one school photo that like, oh, boy, Ooh, I got, yep. um, I got a plenty. There was a a whole tooth gap phase. There was a whole – and, like, I had – like, it's really – like, man, I'm so – that my heart kind of went out when you were saying, like, oh, and I was just – I was watching her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so this is what you do. Okay. This is how you fawn over. I can't imagine how difficult that would be. When you're going through, you know, the times when people are starting to like, oh, they're talking about like, oh, I'm liking this person or I'm like, or aren't they so hot or like Mm -hmm. doing like, you know, just kind of like, quote unquote, teenagery kind of thing, like those kind of like talking about their sexual attractions. It's what we talked about before about how everybody like, what is this need to assimilate? Like, what is this Uh need to be exactly the same? Yeah. It's like Mm -hmm. never stronger. Oh, then, then the teenage, teenage years. Yeah. Like, totally. It is torture to realize like, yeah. oh, I'm not like everybody. Yeah. Like I'm a yeah. little I'm a little off yeah. center from this course. And the survival skills Ooh. that you acquire, like mm-hmm. learning how to crush. Yeah. Like learning, mm-hmm. you know, how to like bands that you don't like but everybody else does. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Learning how to dress a certain way, all these things yeah. that you just do because the alternative is to be the odd one out and that's yeah. sometimes like at that age the worst yeah the worst thing you can be yeah mm-hmm. but then also I think as a girl it's was probably less maybe less pressure to mm. be sexualized oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you could be like kind of a bookworm type of kid mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. kind of like a shy kind of late bloomer yeah. girl much more easily yeah. than you could for like the YouTuber you were talking yeah, about. Like that must Evan. have been much yeah. more pressure to be yeah. sexual. Yeah. From, oh, for sure. From friends, from, you know, yeah. classmates, whatever, even parents. Like, yeah. I was telling you like Dr. Boyfriend, yeah. my boyfriend became sexually active at 14. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, at 14, yeah. I clutched my imaginary pearls. And was like, <laughs> yeah. At oh. 14, I like new kids on the block. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait yeah. until the day that it's going to happen if we don't destroy the planet by then. Yeah. But when, oh, there's this gender, like, construct, like, just all those things are like, you know what? You you birthed, live, do it. What Just yep. live how you need to live. Yeah. Just fall into you the things you. as you, yeah. you be you. Yeah, I can't wait. I feel like it's going to happen. Oh, I mm-hmm. hope so. Um, cause yeah. there's so many different things that it's hard to, it's hard, especially like on, on both sides of the spectrum of the, through it all of like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, do I feel this way? Like, well, why am I questioning this? How do I really feel? And pushing out those like societal expectations and pressures and guilt and shame oh, yeah. and all of those things, mm-hmm. like just trying to do away with them is a job within itself. Yeah. 
I yeah, think it really is. I feel that from like from my gender. I I definitely. Oh yeah. Like, when you were talking about that with um like kind of watching and like oh this is how you that's how I felt for a really long time and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. still kind of going through the process of like what does that exactly mean for me? But like I yeah. felt like I had to learn how to girl. I had to learn how to feminine basically because like oh same same yeah. Um, and it's still a process of like me trying to figure out like, okay, well, what, what is this? Cause there have been many more times in my life where I just, I used to say, oh man, yeah, I'm really bad at being a girl. I used to say that mm-hmm. cause I just really felt like I don't like the, th- the things that they're doing, but I would just go along yeah. with it cause I was like, well, this is what you do, I guess. So we're going to do the thing. Yep. And of course now learning like, oh, being gender is so fluid and it's yeah. just, it's whatever you feel is best and and Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely helping I think and I'm hoping I'm hoping it's helping all those little babies that are going through it right now I I hope so hope it's getting better um you know I think that it is like I I feel like and you know it's it's hard for me to say because so much of the last like six years of my professional life I've been in you know I I used to tell people I work in like a rainbow bubble Mm. um so I don't like yeah I only work with uh, people who are like queer identified and super, you know, um, super wonderful advocates and mm-hmm. who are kind of exploring this for themselves. And we had like our own little community. And so within that community, everybody felt very free to kind of try on new hats and, you know, sometimes literal hats, but usually figurative hats. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and kind of figure out who they were without other people judging them, like at least within yeah. the space of the resource center. And so much of my life was wrapped up in that, that it, I was like, oh, no, things are definitely getting better. Um, and then, like, I go to my hometown and uh, my younger sibling is um, is also queer. Um, so, like, they're gender non-binary and um, are exclusively same-sex attracted mm-hmm. and or attracted to people of the same sex. Anyway, um, and my hometown doesn't have the same resources mm. that that I have access to where I live now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like... I live in my little bubble and then I go back to my hometown to visit my family and to meet my sister's friends and stuff like that. And uh, just kind of walking around, I'm like, oh, oh, no, maybe it's not that. I know. Isn't that the worst? Why did I leave my bubble? (laughs) My brother and I were talking about that um, just yesterday. We've been talking a lot because he's going through this breakup and it's a a whole process. And um, he was saying, he was like, yeah, like, you know, I – Sometimes on my straight coworkers, he's like, I don't really feel like I've had to come out, like, really, like, announce the coming out in a really, really mm-hmm. long time. But I do, you know, make points to be like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, my boyfriend and I'll, you know, insert, you know, Todd or whatever. Um, yeah. Just to be like, this is why I'm establishing this. Just mm-hmm. to let you know. But he was like, yeah, like, sometimes I want to just tell, like, my straight coworkers, like, you know that, like, there are some weekends when I leave here on Friday and I do not see or I do not interact with another straight person the whole weekend and just like wonder how like they would process that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And I, I feel that. I don't know, Vanessa, if you feel it, like we're in California and whenever I go to like Maryland or Ohio, I'm like, mm-hmm. cause I'm like, it's great. It's cool. Yeah. Things are great. Woo-hoo. Things are happening. We're doing good things and people are pretty open. I mean, you'll still find yeah. conservative and certainly close minded people, but by and large, it's pretty like free. And then like I'll go and I'll be like, oh, what did you know? What did you just say? <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. No, this is not – I don't know if this is better. Um, <laughs> so I can totally relate to that. I grew up in a really, yeah. really small town. Um, mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you it is probably just the same. If not worse. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. And, and you know, it's funny too because I'm – I live in Alabama. Like I live in Alabama. Yeah. This is like – the darkest red state. Yeah. Uh, it is super conservative, but I'm also in a college town. Mm-hmm. And and so you wouldn't think that there would I'm, – I'm originally from Arkansas, and you wouldn't think that there would be that big of a difference going yeah. from Alabama. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> I'm just Thank like, how, are college towns. <laughs> how is this worse? Yeah. Why is it – why are you like this? Like, yeah. I came here from Alabama. Y'all should have, <laughs> should have your shit together. Um, but, yeah, it's a thing. So, so- – we won't keep you for too, too much longer, although I really feel like I could talk to you forever and just oh, keep yeah. this a, like a three-hour episode. Um, but I, whenever we have anyone that has like um, worldly experience and just personal mm-hmm. experience and knowledge, I, I always want to ask like what, what would be your advice to maybe anybody that's listening this that goes like, oh, 
whoa, wait, I I might want to look into this for myself. And just yeah. ter- in terms of like resources and like developing a sense of community and, um, you know, processing. All that um, so it's it's rough for folks who are ace identified because it's rare I mean, I guess I'm I'm speaking from my experience, mm-hmm. and again, I'm in Alabama, so yeah. <laughs> um, that's a thing. Uh, if you're in a more urban, a more progressive area, you might be able to find uh, community resources for asexual individuals. You probably can act, like find access to. Um, there are some great support groups out there. Um, I don't know them because I don't live in wonderful places where they have them, but I know mm-hmm. they exist because people have told me about them. <laughs> um, but uh, there, there are kind of those community resources. So if you if you live in an area where you have access to um, any sort of LGBTQ resource center that does some sort of community support programming, I would definitely reach out and find out if they do some sort of asexual um, community programming. Mm-hmm. But also so much of the ACE community exists online because yeah. it seems to be the easiest way for folks to find one another. Yeah. Uh, the big resource that I tell people about is asexuality.org. Um, they are like, I'm, I'm just getting to a place where I'm, I'm having some feelings about them. Um, so I wouldn't like, I don't wholeheartedly give my recommendation at the moment because I read some of the ways that they're describing who is and who isn't ace and who is and who isn't a part of com- the community. And there's a little bit of like gatekeeping code language in that that I'm not comfortable with. Mm. Um, but they do have a really good Q&A section where they kind of walk people through the different components of sexual and romantic attraction and kind of answer some of those questions that someone might have if they're trying to figure out if they might be ace. Um, oh, okay. But they also have a lot of really wonderful, supportive community forums that people can get onto and have conversations with people who have similar identities and I think that that is kind of one of the more one of the more helpful resources out there is that um but the yeah the biggest thing I can say is you know if if you're having a moment when you're like oh this might be me um definitely definitely reach out to you know any any type of ace related uh resource that you can find just so that you can kind of talk to some people who might have had similar experiences and can help you walk through it mm-hmm. um yeah. but i do like to say that you want to be kind of discerning about the person that you talk to yeah. like if you start hearing them trying to define your experience for you or having them trying to come up with ex- like reasons why you might not be a part of this community then the, the person you're talking to probably isn't the best person to be yeah. talking to because it is really easy to um to to reach out to people who you later find out were kind of gatekeeping mm. um because even within the ace community there are a lot of people who you know um who who view asexuality in a very narrow lens and mm. and might not be as open to having a conversation with somebody who is um, just trying to figure out themselves who maybe doesn't fit 100% under a particular label. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I that I always told people, you know, if they came if they came to me in the office and one of the things that my office did was crisis support. Um, so I wasn't a therapist, but my job was to listen and offer support and then connect people to resources I knew would be safe in the area. Mm. Um, and whenever I, I had anybody who was coming to me who was questioning an identity, we would, you know, sit down and, and they would they would talk about things and I would try and ask open ended questions. But at the end of the conversation, it always came down to you choose your labels. Yeah. Um, you you don't choose your lived experience. You can't control that. But we, all of us as individuals, we get to pick the words mm-hmm. that we use to describe our lived experience. We get to pick our labels. Um, and the only person that can decide if a label fits for you or not is you. Yeah. Um, so if it feels right, then it probably is. And if somebody tells you that your lived experience isn't good enough or queer enough or, you know, doesn't fit the definition – then that person is probably trying to, um, oftentimes unintentionally, but probably trying to do that gatekeeping thing where they're, yeah. they have a narrower definition of what that is than you do. Um, we are, you know, each of us individually are, you know, usually the world expert in one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nobody else in the world who knows more <laughs> about you than you. Yeah. There's nobody else in the world who has to get up every day and like look in the mirror and be like, okay, I got to be me. Um, this is, you know, I know what this is. I know what it's like to live inside my head and live inside my body and to live my life through my eyes. Um, you are the only person that gets to do that for yourself. Yeah. And so there is nobody in the world that knows more about you than you. And if it feels right for you, 
you're the expert. You're the person that gets to decide that. Yeah. I think that's a that's a beautiful thing to tell mm-hmm. someone. I mean, I know oh, that um, like with certain things that I've discovered about myself and even like th- people um, bringing things to my attention and being like, hey, I think you should either, you know, talk to your therapist about oh, yeah. this or you mm-hmm. should explore this. And I'm like, no, that's not. No, I don't. That's not me. Or like, oh, I don't know. I, I think I know what this is. So I don't think so. But they're like, no, Mm -hmm. like very gently. It's usually my brother, like very gently, like, hey, um, look into this. And I'm like, okay. And then if you have that moment of, I think it's really easy to like police yourself and want to Mm -hmm. fit into something perfectly, and be like, well, if I don't have, if I don't have one through ten, then I'm, I'm none of it. Um, Right. And it's just I found out through just just being that having that little like a having a a great support system really helps and I think Mm -hmm. it's easy if you have one like I feel like I have a really great support system in like Vanessa and my husband and yeah husband it's still weird to say (laughs) um my brother Mm -hmm. of where people are really open and they're like okay well yeah explore that if you're feeling Mm -hmm. um because if you just kind of if you are feeling even just like a little bit just look into it just look into yeah. it slightly because really having a share like feeling very alone and isolated and like you just don't fit or there's something that is just like inherently wrong with you is truly one of the worst feelings in the entire world and if there's mm-hmm. anything that can help you out of that space and to a deeper understanding on who you are and how you function in a more positive light like oh that's such a the word blessing is always weird to me, but it feels like it. Yeah, it feels like, it yeah. 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 And yeah. there's, you know, I people are often afraid to do that self-exploration. And I, and I get it because there's an emotional cost that comes mm-hmm. with that. Like that is some some hard emotional labor. But in terms of, of the long run, you have nothing to lose from yeah. taking time and, you know, investigating different aspects of, of who you are and what your experiences mean to you. Yeah. Um, and as far as like the stakes go – uh, people, especially within the queer community, feel like they have to find the label that fits for them, like this little box that they yeah. can fit themselves into and be like, this is me. Um, here is my flag. Uh, there are so many flags. Yeah. Uh, here is my flag. <laughs> it has always been my flag. It will always be my flag. This is exactly who I am. This is the, you know, you can put this label on my grave when I die. It will still be accurate for me. Yeah. And for folks who are still trying to figure themselves out, there's so much pressure that comes with that idea mm-hmm. that they have to find the exact word that describes their very unique lived experience, mm-hmm. and they have to fit into that term perfectly. Yeah. Um, and for so many people within the ACE community, we just – we don't. Uh, and, and within any marginalized identity, you know, um, yeah. words words are static, and they are – in order to define them, we have to define them kind of narrowly. Yeah. And so that means that nobody fits into them perfectly, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can pick a label if that label makes you feel like you're a part of a community and makes you feel empowered and stronger and, you know, um, and, and you know, part of something and, and normal, um, even though I don't know why anyone would ever want to be normal because yeah. normal is boring. But, um, but <laughs> it it's doesn't also... even exist. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's also okay to just kind of exist in those gray areas and to yeah. be like, I don't really know what label fits for me, and that's okay. This is my experience. This is kind of where I put myself. Um, and if the people in your life can't accept that or aren't comfortable with the idea that you can't define yourself with one very narrowly defined word, yeah. then that's their problem. Yeah. Um, that actually hits on, um, I found from the Asexual Visibility Network, there was a quote that yep. was like, you summed it up beautifully. And it's like, you know what, if I'm going to paraphrase just because what you said was so amazing. <laughs> um, but basically, it was the same thing of like, you know what, if if the word asexual um, helps you identify with yourself mm-hmm. for any period of time, use it for as long as you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful thing, too, is like, you know what, if, if right, if that's how you're feeling now and that's how you're, you know, um, that's what you're identifying with. Amazing. And then if that changes, that changes and that's absolutely fine. It's all fine. I guess that's like the, and I'm using the word fine and that's like the lightest term I can think to describe it because it's way bigger than that. But, um, yeah, like you're okay. I guess that's the thing is like, you're okay. Yeah. (laughs) You're great. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, amazing. Well, I, this was so great. And I kind of just want you to come hang out with us now. Oh, um, thanks. Just come hang. Just come. Yeah. yeah. You can meet our invisible cat. 
Oh, um, he's a precious baby, but he hides. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. He's very nervous. That's um, real. Yeah, I've got one of those yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, there's someone was like, this is the worst zoo ever. Animals do yeah. not come out. I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's what it's like. <laughs> but this was so great, and um, you're amazing. You're just as amazing as I thought you were going to be. Even oh, more thank so. you. Y'all are so wonderful. Oh, I, I love gush forever. Yeah. All right. Well. You and Kevin have a great weekend with your... Oh, thanks. Y'all have a great weekend, too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. 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 All right, everybody. So there you have it. Um, I Basically, at this point, I'm pretty certain that you have fallen just as much in love with her as we did. We basically need her to just move closer to us so we can hang out with her Um, IRL because I'm currently now just obsessed she's amazing um and we just want to give her a huge huge shout out thank you so much for um you know coming on the podcast and just being so open and just having such a beautiful discussion and having so much knowledge about a topic um that is that i've wanted to talk about for a very long time and um we honestly couldn't have picked a better person um to uh do it so that's going to do it. Um, take care of yourselves as always. Um, you can find us, uh, at the bottom Bible anywhere on the internet. There we will be. And don't you worry, Vanessa will be back, um, next week and we'll do this thing. OG style. What? I need Vanessa. Okay. Bye. <laughs> to tell me what you want